0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. I want to add my welcome to everyone else who's already welcomed you today. My name is Gray. I am the pastor of New Valley Downtown, and just wanted to say at the beginning that it's just been such a joy to be with you the last couple of months and to demonstrate our unity as one church in two locations. We have a Chandler location and a downtown location, and we've had one joint service. So it's been a real joy to be a part of that every week and to demonstrate that unity. As Scott mentioned at the beginning of the service, we are transitioning a little bit into some other options. And I know he's already mentioned the ones that are for Chandler. For the downtown folks, I just wanted to say that you can also be a part of our service in a couple of different ways. So first of all, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's New Valley Downtown, a separate channel than the one that you're watching this one on right now. And we will live stream our services on Sunday mornings. You should have also received a communication this week that we will be offering an in-person option, two services, nine o'clock and 11 o'clock, starting this Sunday. To be a part of those, you really must sign up for that online. We're trying to get everyone to sign up so that we can have a firm idea of numbers and follow the state guidelines for safety. So please do sign up for that uh, if you want to be a part of the in-person gathering. We're not fully back to church the way that it's going to be in the future, but this is just the first option that we are providing. So I hope to see you there if you are able. Of course, if you are not well or if you are more vulnerable population, then please do refrain and watch us on our live stream. We're going to turn our attention to God's word Mark chapter 14 is where we are today. Amanda has already read this for us. It's really another passage about spiritual weakness. And it fits in with what Scott brought to us last week. In fact, it's the passage right before and then skipping to the passage right after, kind of doing this sandwich effect that Mark likes to do in his gospel. And so last week we saw the disciples are praying with Jesus or they're not doing very much praying at all. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. But before that and after that, we see even more displays of the disciples' weaknesses. So we're going to talk about spiritual weakness this morning and also where we find spiritual strength. Before we dive in, let's pray and ask God for his help this morning. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the honesty of it we see Peter fumbling and denying your name and yet you restoring him, we just know and are comforted that you will restore us when we walk away from you. And so we pray that in our weakness this morning, you would be our strength and that the gospel would ring out as the true thing that gives us strength. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. One of my favorite movies that I've seen in the last few years is Martin Scorsese's film Silence. I know it's also a book, and I have not read the book, but I really enjoyed the movie. Enjoyed is probably not the right word. It's an extremely hard movie to watch, not age-appropriate for everyone, of course, and it's set in Japan in the 17th century, and this hostile environment for Christianity it is illegal to be a Christian in Japan. And so they are rounding up all of the new converts and all of the priests from Europe who have infiltrated Japan, and they're, they're killing them or they're making them trample on the name of Jesus. Literally, they're holding up a picture or the name of Jesus as a footboard for someone to put their foot on and deny the name of Jesus. The Christians are captured and they're told to. What the word is apostatize in that way, to, to deny Jesus. And so the, this, the movie is about these two missionaries who go into that hostile environment. In fact, they're tracking down another priest who is apparently trampled on the name of Christ, and they're investigating that claim. And so they go in themselves full of pride. They go in thinking there is no possible way that we would ever put our feet on Jesus Christ, that we would deny him. That will never ever happen. They're appalled at the idea that they would do that. Much like Peter is in our passage today. He says, I will never deny you. I will never forsake you. Even if everyone else does, he insists that his ability is strong enough to never deny Jesus, to never trample him. So these missionaries go in to Japan and They keep running into this other character. His name is Kikikoro. And he's really the foil to the other characters because he's one of the most lovable characters in all the movie. He is pitiable and lovable and kind. And yet what he keeps doing is he keeps denying the name of Christ. He keeps trampling on Jesus' name. And yet, then he comes and asks for forgiveness from the priest. He even betrays the priest at one point and sells them for money to the officials and yet he keeps coming back and asking for this forgiveness and they in their pride keep reluctantly granting this forgiveness throughout the movie the priests, one in particular Rodriguez he has to wrestle with this fact of this grace and this mercy that's offered to Kikikoro is it the same grace that's going to be offered to him as he, I will not spoil the ending for you, has to wrestle with many of the same things near the end. And will it be his pride that enables him to be able to never trample on the name of Jesus? He wrestles with that in a real way. This idea of weakness, of, of, of denying the name of Christ, of walking away from him, we see Peter, one of the most lovable characters in all of Scripture, actually doing this. In a sense, no different than Judas Iscariot, who sells Jesus' name, he walks away from Christ. And it's an opportunity for us to evaluate our own spiritual weakness. So as we see the disciples' weaknesses on display over and over again. Scott mentioned last week that there's actually some apologetic value to understanding this because as we see uh, the disciples fail and fail and fail right before Jesus is crucified, we know that they are the ones who wrote the scriptures and so why would they write a story that is uh, so unfavorable to them? And it's so it's, it has some value that way. But I want to also say that it has some value for encouragement for us as well, who also find ourselves in positions of weakness when it comes to defending the name of Jesus. And we have this idea that God, his posture towards us is that he's so tired of us failing. He, he's tired of our weakness and, and every time we come back to him for forgiveness, surely he has his arms crossed and surely he's thinking, why did I offer grace in Jesus Christ? Why would I do something like that? And now I'm contractually obligated to accept these people. Something like that runs through our heads with our idea of our own weakness. And so I want to talk about that today using Peter, one of the greatest examples of Christian weakness and later strength. Just two points this morning. We're going to look at the way of weakness, and then we're going to look at the way of strength. So first, the way of weakness. And I would summarize the way of weakness like this. The way of weakness is this. Insist on your own ability. There's no greater way to demonstrate your weakness than to completely insist on your ability to be strong. This is what is demonstrated for us in these three passages about the weakness that we see this morning. And there's three different versions of weakness. First of all, there is desertion, desertion. Look at verse 27 with me as Jesus tells them the way that they will be be weak. Jesus said to them, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus says, you're going to desert me. This is the way that it's going to be. He very calmly says, this is what's going to happen. And he quotes from the book of Zechariah chapter 13, and he quotes this exact thing. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. This applies to this situation, Jesus is saying. I am the shepherd and once I am struck, once I am arrested, you will scatter like sheep. You have followed me all of these days, these last three years in my ministry. But the moment that it becomes fearful and overwhelming and you fear for your life, then you will scatter from me. He just tells them this point blank. And of course, Peter says, there's no way that this is going to happen. And he says it so strongly that that he gets others to chime in with him. We see in verse 31, they all say the same thing. We will never do this. And yet Jesus has spoken that they will. And of course, they do. Desertion desertion is a form of weakness. Have we deserted Christ? Have we walked away from him? Maybe some of you this morning have walked away from him. Maybe you've been in a season of walking away from him. Maybe you're wondering if you should walk away from him. Maybe you're not necessarily walking away from the church, but you find yourself in conversation with other people and you hear them trash the name of Jesus or say something that you know is not true, what you believe, and yet you find yourself being silent or you find yourself agreeing with them even. And then there's this moment later where you realize that you've kind of deserted the name of Christ and you feel this shame and this guilt and you wonder, does my faith mean anything to me that I'm willing to walk away from him for such a short gain, the gain of others' approval? What this passage is teaching us is that if you rely on your own strength to stay with Jesus, you will inevitably leave him. You will be surprised with how weak you actually are. Desertion is the first form of weakness. The second is distraction. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because it was the passage that Scott read for us last week as the disciples are with Jesus in the garden. They can't stay awake long enough to pray with them, even though he asks them to stay awake. Just be with me while I suffer. The disciples try in their own flesh to keep their eyes open, but three times they're not able to do that. The spirit is willing, Jesus says, but the flesh is weak. They are insisting on their own flesh, and yet they can't do it. And so Jesus prophesies a threefold denial. You will deny me three times, Peter. And then there's a threefold distraction, three times, They cannot stay awake. And then, of course, the actual denial comes, and Peter does deny the name of Christ. And that is the third form of weakness that we see in this passage. Desertion, distraction, finally, denial. Jesus says this is the way it will be, and Peter is adamant that he will never do this. And notice why he thinks he will never do it. In verse 29, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Verse 31, but he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. You notice how many times I is in that verse. I won't do this. I will not do this. Everyone else will, but I will not. He's insisting on his own ability. His confidence is in himself He has the strength of his own resolve only. And of course, we know the way the story ends, 30 verses later, a few hours later, that very evening, what Jesus says comes true. He denies Jesus's name and participation with him to a little girl. That is how far the strength of his resolve goes, a few hours That's exactly how far his strength reaches. And it's exactly how far your strength will reach if you insist on your own ability. How many times have we tried to pump ourselves up to follow Jesus? We say, I will never do this again. I will never return to this. I will never be that person I will always do this from now on, I promise. And we really feel, we really believe, like those missionaries to Japan, like Peter in this passage, that we can do this. What happens? We fail. Doesn't it feel sometimes like the strength of our resolve is directly proportional to the depth of our failure. Let me say that again. Doesn't it feel like sometimes the strength of our resolve, how strongly we believe we can control something, actually shows us, actually is a mirror to us by how far we will fall down. Isn't it true that the higher we rise sometimes, the farther we fall, the harder we try, the easier we fail? This is certainly on display in Peter here today. First, he swears, I will never do this. I will never deny you. I will never fall away. He swears it to Jesus. A few hours later, he swears, I never knew this man. How does this happen? It happens because we believe that the strength comes from our own ability. We insist that this is the way of strength, but it's actually the way of weakness. And so let's transition now and actually talk about where strength does actually come from. The way of weakness is to insist on your own ability. What is the way of strength? The way of strength is this, never stop returning. Never stop returning. I want to show you this in, this, in the context of this passage and also in the passage itself. Because Jesus brings us into another context when he quotes from Zechariah chapter 13. And he says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And he says, this is what's fulfilled here right now. But if you read just a couple of verses later in that Zechariah passage, you see what the return is. Even though the sheep have scattered after the shepherd is struck, there is a return and God comes back to his people. And it says this in verse 9 of Zechariah 13, and I will put this third into the fire. This third is the remnant that God brings back and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name. I will answer them. I will say they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is my God. Do You see, even in that Zechariah passage, Jesus says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But then God says, but when they call upon my name, when they return to me, I will say they are my people and they will say he is our God. There is a remnant. There is a return. And God refines them as he refines silver and gold, and he does the same for us. We see it here, even in this passage, what Jesus says is going to be true. He's very calmly saying, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. I know you're going to abandon me, but then look at verse 28. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Sometimes we read the scripture too fast and we don't see what he's actually saying here. What he says is this. I know that you're going to abandon me, but I'm telling you exactly where you can find me on the other side. This is where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in Galilee and I'm going to have the full power of the resurrection with me. After I am raised up, that's where I'll be. Return to me, he's saying. Return to me. Even while he says, I know that you will walk away, he's giving them the path of return he's already providing a way back and so we see in this the posture of Jesus this would be the perfect opportunity for Jesus to say to them you're going to deny me i thought you were better than that i thought that i could trust you to shame them into something something else but he doesn't do that he doesn't take that opportunity to shame them what he does is actually provides a return to them don't worry I'm telling you where I'm going to be. And you can find me after you see what I'm going to say to be true. And so you see the posture of safety and of love in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of his betrayal, while we were yet sinners, Paul says, Christ died for us. He provides the return. We have this six-month-old puppy right now. I'm in the midst of dog training, and that's kind of taken on as my responsibility to train the, the puppy up. And you know, what's really important when you're training a dog is that the dog return to you. I mean, if you can't have a puppy come back to you, then you're not gonna be able to do very much outside of your own backyard. You have to be able to count on the dog returning to you. And so there's a lot of training. I've I've thought about this a lot. How do you get the dog to return to you in any circumstance? And I'll tell you one way that doesn't work. Let's say the dog is being naughty and getting into something or running somewhere where he shouldn't run. One thing that does not work is to point your finger at the dog and say, get over here right now. Get over here. What the dog will do is it will cower before you And it will get further and further away from you. Why? It's not safe. Why would they return to the person who is yelling at them like this? It's counterproductive. What does work? I'll tell you what works in my experience. Not yelling at the dog like that. But actually turning your body and saying, with me. Not moving towards them with a finger out, but moving away and saying, with me, with me, and walking away, and they actually want to follow because you're telling them with your body, this is not a time of punishment. This is, I want you with me. I want you to go where I'm going next, and they're curious about this. And yes, you are the dog in this analogy. I am the dog because we have a master whose posture towards us is not accusatory or punishing. He says, with me, with me, I'm going to be in Galilee. I want you to return to me there. I'm not interested in the punishment. I'm interested in the return. That's what he communicates to us. Jesus knows that we're weak. He knows it. He knows it better than we do. He is acquainted with our weaknesses. But he's not saying to us this morning, get over here. He's saying, with me. The one who knows that we betray him also provides the return. I want to close with this today because the irony of this whole story is, of course, that that Peter does die for Jesus. Peter is crucified along with most of the other disciples for the name of Christ. The one who has trampled on his name returns and yet later dies for him. How is that possible? How is it possible that the one who would deny the name of Jesus to a little girl would then be the one to say, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified crucified in the way that Christ was. How does that transformation from weakness to strength happen? It happens in the return. Two things that Peter returns to. He returns to the cross and the resurrection. And then secondly, he returns to his call. He returns to the cross and the resurrection because something significant happens between when Peter denies Jesus, and when Peter dies for Jesus. And that most significant thing that happens is the actual crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Before, Jesus was his teacher. Jesus was uh, his master. He was the disciple of Christ. And of course, he loved Christ, but he just followed him. And Jesus was, in a sense, a sidekick, or maybe this idea of, of a person who would deliver them from Rome, or a great teacher, or maybe a little bit of a rebel who, who got on the nerves of, of the, the Pharisees and the scribes. But in the crucifixion and the resurrection, when, Jesus, when Peter sees Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, he goes to Galilee as Jesus instructs him and he sees him, then he is transformed forever. He's not just this teacher. He is the crucified Savior and the one who has defeated death itself And that power grips Peter, grips all the other disciples, grips Paul. And they go out with resurrection power, knowing that if Jesus would do this, he can do anything. And what does this resurrected Jesus do for Peter? He helps him return, not just to the cross and the resurrection, but to return to his call as a disciple. In John chapter 21, we see this interaction with Peter and Jesus And he restores Peter, the one who has denied him. Three times he asks him, Simon Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter says, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. What's so beautiful there is just the fullness of that restoration. These three passages describe the three different ways that we walk away from Jesus. Desertion, uh, distraction, denial. Jesus says, you can't pray. Three times, you're distracted. Three times, he says, Peter's going to deny me. Three times, Peter does deny him. And then Jesus comes back and he says, three times, do you love me? See, the strength of his return is greater than the resolve that Peter had to not leave him. Coincidentally, John also tells us that this is the third time that Jesus appears to them after the resurrection. It's just this beautiful, symmetrical thing. Jesus provides the return. Where does spiritual strength come from? Where does it come from to to die for the name of Christ? To be willing to die, even in little ways, in conversation for the name of Christ. If you insist on your own ability, you will feel weak every time. But if you focus on the return to Christ daily, you will become strong. It will become like a gym, like a workout for your affections when you return to him over and over again you will get stronger what does that look like it means this it's a daily return to his forgiveness you think about the last 24 hours where where are the ways that you have sinned where are the ways that you have walked away from him where are the ways that you have not been engaged with him and bring those up in his presence Return to his forgiveness. He is willing and able to forgive you. You will feel like a failure. You'll feel weak. But actually in doing that, you become strong. Don't just return to his forgiveness. Also return to his love. You Remind yourself of the gospel and of what's true of God towards us, his posture of love towards us. That it's not your ability that that saves you. It is actually his great love. And that actually he cares about you. And actually he has a posture of grace and openness towards you, that he delights in you. Like with song, the prophets say, you are his workmanship, Ephesians says, his work of art created in Christ Jesus for good works. He loves you. And he says, with me, you need to remind yourself and bathe yourself in the love of God, not just his forgiveness, but if you do this, if you return to his grace, return to his forgiveness, return to his love over and over again, you become the type of person who's strong in the gospel. You, you become bold for his name and would be willing even to die for him, for the one who has done so much for you. Great author John Perkins uh, wrote this great book called Let Justice Roll Down. And many people know it as a story of racism in the South and growing up as a black man in in Mississippi and and what that was like in a a sharecropping family. But really the book is is profound in its, its look at the Christian journey. As John Perkins, it's an autobiography, and he tells how he came to faith and he was walking away from the Lord, and his particular struggle was gambling. He would give all of his money away to gambling. And what Jesus did in his life when he gave his life to Christ, he gave up that addiction, and he talks about in that book, how he actually did that, how he actually had the strength to stop that sin. He says, I didn't drop gambling because anybody preached against it. That kind of push really never works over the long haul. True Christian change works more like an old oak tree in the spring when the new life inside pushes off the old dead leaves that still hang on. So beautiful. He's saying strength comes from something happening on the inside first that then pushes off the old dead weight of sin. If there is weakness in your life, the strength comes by you admitting and letting Christ in, returning to him and seeing him work on the inside first. And so if you have been walking away from him, if you have been a, a perfect demonstration of Christian weakness and denial, return to him return to what he has done for you. See with what manner of love he has loved you. What he has done in the cross and the resurrection, what he does for you, giving you a call to go out and feed his sheep, to be a good works machine for his glory. See what he has done for you and return to that over and over again and you will be strong. Let's pray. God, I'm reminded of the scripture that says that your strength is, is made perfect in weakness. That's so true. We we believe that that strength comes from our own abilities, that, that we can resolve to be better. And I pray that what would drive us this morning would not be resolve, it would be resurrection. It would be the return to what you have done for us, that we would see again how beautiful it is what you have done for us and that that would drive us out with strength to fight sin, to speak boldly for your name, to love others the way that you have loved us. All of the results of the gospel would be driven out by your strength this morning. Would you help us to that end? In Jesus' name.